When you were a kid, go back to when you were a kid. Could clocks move any slower? I still remember being in class, maybe we were like this, and we had those clocks that would go back and then forward and back and forward. And it was all, it would take so long. It was like 320 never, ever got there. And we just had to wait it out. You just had to suck it up and, and wait. And uh, man, when you're young and you're moving, you're like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I still feel that as an adult at times. But waiting is difficult. Waiting is hard um, for a variety of reasons. Life does not slow down. It's just always moving, especially during Christmas time. And um, waiting is hard. But yet we're told to wait wait on the Lord. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look at what does it mean when God says wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord is Advent means hope, hopeful, to be um, hopeful in an expectant manner. So we are hopeful and expectant for Christ to come again. And what does it mean to wait? Wait on the Lord. And we're going to talk about that today, but I want to throw a question out at you first. Um, when someone tells you to wait, what is the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear that? Now, this is not a rhetorical question. One thing I love about Spring Hill is we have a lot of talkers, and I love that. So what, what do you think of when you hear someone say, wait? They're trying to shut me up. Trying to shut you up. Good. No one does that, Doug. No one does that to you. But yeah, so yeah, someone's trying to restrict me a little bit. What else? Someone tells you to wait. How long? Yeah, let's get this rolling. Let's. Why? Good. Excellent. This is wonderful. What's that? When? Yeah. Good. Good. That's a hard thing to hear because we have things that we want to do and we don't want to be stopped. Yet God says, wait, wait on the Lord. Let me throw this at you. How does this feel to be a young child waiting for Christmas morning? Is that easy or hard? How many parents would just kill for their kids not to wake them up at 630 in the morning? Yeah, you're like, hey, just Time to wake up, right? It's, it's Christmas, Christmas morning. You tell them to wait, that's the worst thing you could do to them. How about being a, a young person around 16 waiting to, to uh, get their driver's license? 15 and a half is really, well, in Montana, what's 15 and a half? Oh, man. 14-year-olds, right? 14-year-olds can't wait to get to 15 and, and drive. Tell them to wait is horrible. How about this? Growing up, we were told, be patient, I hated that. Be patient. Still drives me nuts. But then we start to see how being patient and waiting actually helps us to grow. Right? Think about this. Think of yourself as a 12-year-old. Do you remember when you were in sixth grade? What were you like in sixth grade? Don't tell anybody. But just think about how you thought what you did. Now, see the difference between a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old. Think back how you changed during that period of time. And it was really only time and life experience through that time that changed you. You had no choice but to wait to get to 18. But yet through that time, you grew a lot. Now think of yourself as a 19-year-old. 
and the growth that took place between 19 and 28. Did you grow? Did you change? At 20, you can be a little squirrely, right? 28, you're like, okay, the career's moving. Or man, the career better be moving. But that life expectancy, that, that, that time, there's a period of growth, isn't there? You had to wait 28 to 40. Is there a difference? 50 to 70? Yeah. <laughs> there's a period of knowledge that takes place only through time and only through waiting. So actually waiting, when God says, wait on the Lord, that's a positive but it grinds against us a lot of times. Wait on the Lord. We want to look at that today. What does that mean to wait on the Lord? But let's take it to another level because those are kind of fun. Let me throw some harder ones at you. Uh, have you ever been diagnosed? You go into a doctor and uh, you never want to hear this, but they say, wow, I don't know what that is. Let's take a test. And they're serious about it. and They don't quite know. And we'll get back to you when the test results come in. And what do you have to do? You have to wait. That's hard. Your mind immediately goes to hard things, almost worst possible scenarios. That's how we're wired. Um, a seminary prof up in the Northwest, his son was involved in a car accident and has had a um, massive head injury. And they've been... Uh, he's been in the hospital for a long time with very little movement. And they've been, all they can do is wait. And all he can do is trust in the Lord to heal on God's time, in God's way. The doctors have basically said he's where he's at and we don't know. And the other day, he wrote about how the nurse, the nurses are always talking to him. And everybody that comes in talks to him because that stimulates. Um, he's, he's there. He can't communicate and they don't quite know the extent of the damage. Um, but the other day, the nurse said he was rubbing something on, on the medical. Maybe it was a, uh, a needle or something. And she asked him, um, does that hurt? Is it irritating? And she decided to say, blink twice if yes. And he blinked twice. And she thought, whoa. And she asked him again just to make sure that it wasn't a random movement. And he looked and he blinked twice. And suddenly he's communicating. And she said, say yes with one blink. And he blinked once. And she went out told all the nurses. The nurses came in. They went through the test. They told the, the parents, hey, he's, he's able to communicate. What now? Wait. That would be one of the hardest things I think any parent could go through is to have a child that you love so much and you're told, wait. But you know what he said? He's talking about how great God is through all this. And just by those little communications, he sees God and brings God glory. That's part of waiting, waiting on the Lord. 
But I want to do this. Let's read where God tells his people to wait and how the right focus brings two things, comfort and hope. Never thought about waiting bringing comfort and hope, did you? We're going to look at that today and see how it works. What I want to do right now is open your Bibles or read on the screen Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. This is a great, this is a memorizing verse. It says this, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth, or the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and grow weary, or be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Now, remember, this passage was written to the Israelites who have gone into captivity for 70 years. What would it be like to be put into captivity? You know, I see all those uh, World War II films of um, prisoners being taken back behind the lines, whether they're Russian or, or German. They don't look happy, and they're going into captivity. And this is what was happening to the Israelites. They had lost, and they're going into captivity. It would be similar if the Christians in Bozeman were rounded up and moved to San Francisco, a place totally different than Bozeman, and a place you really didn't want to be. Love San Francisco, that's not the point. The point is, you are moved beyond your wishes to a place that is not familiar, it's not Bozeman, and told to wait. Let me throw some words at you, and I want to ask how would you feel in that situation? Three phrases come to mind if I was in that situation and being frustrated. First would be, I'd feel abandoned by God. God, you told me to follow you. I'm following you. And now we're being rushed off into captivity. You obviously aren't there. Second would be a need to take control. Okay, God is not there. I'm going to have to make the decisions. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to make things happen. And third, a trust in self or a few selected friends. Waiting challenges our thoughts in saying, who do you trust? Do you trust God or do you trust yourself? When God says, wait, that's what is challenging to us. But God tells his chosen people to wait on the Lord. But what's he getting at? Here's a hint. Turn back and look and read Isaiah 40, 41. The first things that he says to, this, to, to the group of people in this chapter says, Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. He knows that they're struggling. He knows that it's hard. And he wants to bring them comfort through this. And he points that out. Comfort not in a lazy way, but the idea of rest. If you're in captivity, if you're stressed all the time, you're not getting what? You're not getting rest. Who are you to rest in? Our own abilities or the Lord? Isaiah 40 says, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Rest in the Lord, not yourself. 
Why should we wait on the Lord? You ever wonder that? Why would God tell us to wait? Of all things, why wouldn't he say, move faster, Christians, be more decisive, work harder? Wouldn't that naturally fit how we think? He says, no, wait, wait. Wait means hope expectantly. So when you hear wait, that's what he's getting at. Hope in the Lord, hope expecting the Lord to move in your life because he will and he has. Wait, wait. When we wait on the Lord, we become stronger through experience. Let's look at Isaiah 40, 31. It says this. I love this. This is uh, the word but. It's like however or therefore. And usually it's following a hard section of scripture that you go, whew, man, is that what he's talking about? And then he says, but good things are happening. And he says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strengths. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. One of the great things I love is driving out to Legacy, and there are eagles, and they're usually perched on the um, power lines out there. But often you see them flying, and it's just beautiful. They're just soaring. And you're like, man, that's awesome. It's this beautiful vision of what God is talking about here. Waiting on the Lord allows us to see God work through the hard situations that we, fit, that we are facing. When we see God work, it builds confidence and trust in him. His, this confidence in the Lord makes us stronger for the next hits that come our way in life. This confidence can be strengthened over time and the struggle of life. People who have been through a lot in life can often give me and you insight. When I need advice, my stress level is up here and I don't have answers and I'm frustrated. I don't go running as fast as I can to a middle school and grab the first seventh grader that I can and tell them all my problems. Nothing against seventh graders, they're great, but they haven't lived yet enough for valuable advice. At least the stuff that you and I are going through. They haven't lived that, that yet. In my own case, there's about five people that I call up and I use as counselors. Scripture says to seek wise counselors. Believers who have lived through struggles and been touched by God through hard times. They are the most confident people that you will know. There's about five people that I will call and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm thinking. This is how I'm acting. Uh, what do you think? And they always come back with great, great advice. Because nine times out of 10, they've been through what I'm going through. And I bet you have people in, in your life that are the same way, that have been through difficult times and rested and waited on the Lord. And you can call them up and in a non-judgmental way, they'll be open and honest with you in what's going on and what they see and give you wise counsel because most likely they have all waited on the Lord in the past. 
And they have grown through that. They have matured through that. Waiting on the Lord through hard situations brings strength through confidence and trust. However, there is a warning, if you notice in this passage, did you see it? There's a warning in this passage about who not to rely on. Who not to rest upon. And that's ourselves. This does not mean that we are not to have confidence in our abilities to get things done. Not to be confident in being able to get our job done and interact with people. It's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about limits and how we all have limits and we need to understand that and to reach out to the one who has no limits. Look at verse 30. It says, I love this. Even youths, it's like they're throwing up their hands. Even youths shall faint and grow weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. Have you ever tried chasing a five-year-old around? They have energy beyond belief. And it's like this verse is saying, even, even little kids will wear out. And it says, young men will grow weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. Um, when I was a younger man, did a lot of running races and had fun. And we did a duathlon one time. And that's where I did the running portion, uh, about six miles, a little over six. And then we had my um, friend who did the, the biking portion. And he was, my role was not to get blown out of the water and to stay tight. Because if I could stay close to winning, close to the top guys, he would just scorch them. So that was my role. And I knew the guys up there. And I would get up to the front of the line and, and I look around and went, okay, he's here, he's here, he's here. And I start playing a mental game of, okay, I can stay with this guy. This guy's faster. And I look over and I saw a guy I hadn't seen before. And, you know, you kind of size people up. Do you ever do that? You know, if you see someone who's tall and skinny and you can just tell a runner, he's put in a lot of miles, you go, oh, it may, may be tough. But this new guy was shorter. He looked like a wrestler. I said, ah, he's not a runner. That's all right. We got him. And then I looked down at his shoes and he was using racing flats, which is a, a racing, racing shoes. And Ryan, you know all about that. Um, and it wasn't that he was just wearing running flats. He, they, these were dirty running flats. So he had been racing a lot and we just hadn't seen him, which was fine. I thought, okay, well, can't be that fast. He's, you know, looks like a wrestler. So the gun went off and he took off like a shot, shot out of a cannon. I thought, oh man, I kid you not, I chased him for six miles and could never catch him. Drove me absolutely nuts because in my mind, I should have beaten him. I should have, I should be able to catch him, beat him, run backwards talking to him and then casually go over the line. I think I threw up three times trying to catch him. Never did. Came across the line, and immediately once you cross that magic barrier, your legs start to shake a little bit. And I, and I went up, Mary was there, and I, I just, I got to sit down. I just got to sit down. And I sat down, and I laid down on the grass, and, and I closed my eyes, and I looked up uh, a minute later, and Mary was standing over me, looking at me, and her eyes were this big. And she's like, are you all right? I said, I'll be fine. I just need a, 
take time, but I was exhausted. I was fit. At that time, fast. Wasn't the fastest, but there. But I was exhausted, and I had reached my limit. And it wasn't good enough. And I went, oh, okay. Recognizing your limits is important. But beyond, beyond running and physical stuff, uh, what about emotional exhaustion? Have you ever been in a situation where you just are exhausted mentally and emotionally and you're like seven o'clock comes and all you want to do is rest because that emotion that you go through takes energy and you know what you have limits everybody here has limits God is saying wait on me the one who is limitless trust me trust God who has no limits Physically, you're going to fall over. Emotionally, you're going to wear out. Trust and wait on me. I don't become exhausted. How do we wait on the Lord? Let's look at this. How do we wait on the Lord? When you're facing hard situations, God's telling you to wait. Rely on these things. God's character and his promises. Look at verse 28 and 29. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His, under, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. When Israel was losing hope, frustrated and looking for answers, God pointed them to his character, to who he was. This helps them to remain strong and to continue. And that's for you and I, too. Over and over throughout Scripture, God points people to his character and says, trust because of who I am. At the very base level of trusting the Lord, it is trusting in who he is as God. And going, you are the creator of the earth. I have never once created a snowflake. But I can trust in the one that has. Because of who he is and his character. And God points us back to that. And if you look in Habakkuk. Little book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk basically is saying. Free us from this. This is crazy. What's going on is horrible. And God says, I will. I have a plan. I'm going to bring these people in. They're going to basically come in and free you. And Habakkuk looks and says, you're going to send those people? Those? Those are worse than the ones that we have now. God says, trust me. I know what I'm doing. I am God. He told Moses, tell the leaders I am is who sent you. Always goes back to his character. We follow a God that is worthy and powerful, and capable, beyond our wildest imaginations. And that's how we can trust. That's how we can wait. It's because of who he is. We trust in the Lord because of who he is, and we are reminded that in what he says, remembering his promises helps us also to wait. Remember, because we are waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that we 
that um, he gives us what we want when we wait, it's because if that were the case, I'd be driving a different car, living in a different house, and I'd be making different amounts of money. But that's self-focused, isn't it? He promises for us to grow and to mature during that time. One of his greatest comforting promises is Hebrews 13.5 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. His character and his promise help us to wait and keep us focused. We have the God who created all things saying that he will never leave us. What more? What, what do we have to fear? Nothing. And we can wait on a God like that. The God of creation has just said, I will never leave you. And in a world that is so transactional, if you do this, I will give you that. God says, no, I will never leave you and will always be on your side. Let me ask you this. How are your stress levels? Christmas, life, my stress levels are high. Told my wife that the other night, and she said, yeah, but what about this and this? I went, yep, you're right. And I didn't tell her, but I thought, yep, God got us through this. God got us through that, and he'll get us through this. You go, Whew. you take a breath. Stress level comes down, not because of anything that I've done, the only thing that changed was my focus. My focus on the creator God and the promises that he's given us. And you know what? I will wait. I will wait on the Lord because of him, of who he is. Finally, this, what is the result of waiting on the Lord? What is the result of all this? Number one, greater trust in the Lord. Do you ever have a friend that you've grown up with or know now that is trustworthy? You go, yep, I can trust Ryan. I can trust my family. I can trust this person and that person. Now imagine the people that you don't trust. How, how is that different? How do you act differently? How do you think differently? Stress level goes up. But when we have a God who we can trust, take that stress level down and we will wait on him. Second is this, life focused on Christ. Life focused on Christ. Through his atonement, through his gospel, we are able to live with God forever. And he will never forsake us. Our focus now becomes, how can I live like Christ and bring glory to God, which is our third and final point. When we wait and we trust in the Lord, we give glory to God. Just like the professor whose son is now communicating in a very basic way. He is pointing everybody to God. It's through waiting that we can see God the most. And hope expectancy. What a great God we serve. What a great God we follow. There's nothing greater than to wait on the Lord. And to see him work. Let's pray. 
Father, what an honor it is just to be followers of you. Lord, teach us to wait on you and to grow in you. It is without question an honor to follow. Thank you, Father, for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.